Welcome to the Let's Get Real podcast with Justin and Trisha Davis, where we invite you into honest conversations about life, love, and leadership. Welcome to season three. Well, today's guests are pastors, authors, speakers, Jeannie and Jarrett Stevens, and also dear friends of ours. They are authors of their newest books, What's Here Now, written by Jeannie and Praying Through by Jarrett. And they have started a church in Chicago called Soul City Church, and really amazing to have this conversation on the podcast. I hope it blesses you. But before we get into that conversation, you guys, we are two weeks away from my man coming out with his second book, Being Real is Greater Than Being Perfect. Were you making fun of me? I was getting ready to, but I'm glad you got it right this time. You I messed it up on the last podcast I, episode. I worked I'm, actually, hard I'm actually holding a physical copy of you it right are. now. We're super excited. It comes out on October 3rd. We're going to celebrate big on October 3rd. And uh, you can get your copy pre-order right now on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Yeah, so go to beanrealbook.com and pre-orders are the best orders because they really help elevate the book on that first week of sales. So that's the promotional aspect of this (laughs) podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jeannie and Jarrett Stevens. It blessed us. I know it's really going to bless you as we talk about spiritual growth in all seasons of life. So enjoy joined by two amazing people today, uh, Jarrett and Jeannie Stevens. Uh, Thank you guys so much for being here with us today. We're excited to have you guys on the podcast. Thank you. It's so, so good to be with you guys. You know that we are big fans of the two of you and so super honored to spend this time together. Easy. Uh, Well, speaking of fans, we've got, we're going to start off this conversation with a little confession time and I'll let Justin do his confession. So I didn't know we were going to have to get into this so soon, but I do (laughs) feel like it'll cleanse my soul to to share this with you because Jared, I have been a fan of yours. I'm going to say since 1999, um, I came up to the leadership summit uh, as a youth pastor. Yeah. And you and John Ortberg did a breakout session, like a pre-summit breakout session on the art of teaching. I sat in the second row. I freaking wrote down everything that you said. I was such a fanboy of Ortberg in general, uh, but I loved everything you guys, I know you guys were working in Axis together at that time in that season. And so um, I just, I got chills just talking about it because I just... (laughs) I just have, I've loved your ministry. I've admired you guys as leaders, as communicators, as pastors, uh, literally for the last, what is that? 24, 25 years um, that, uh, that since you guys were at Willow. So um, thank Thank you guys so much for your ministry, for your influence in in my Mm -hmm. life and my ministry. And um, I think we could both say that everything that we got from teaching has been from John Oberg, but um, but yeah, so I've just, I've just admired both of you guys, but specifically Jared, I can just remember back to that, that, that preaching uh, breakout and just, um, just your, your style of communication and just the richness that you communicate with. I've just admired for so long. So I'm just encouraged that someone showed up to the breakout. (laughs) (laughs) He's typing in his phone friend slash now stalker, but for the person who uh, may be new to you guys uh, share just a little bit about, you know, what you do and your family dynamics to date. Yeah, we, uh, 
Well, we live here in the Chicagoland area. Uh, we, 13 years ago, started a church in our family room uh, called Soul City Church. And uh, so that's where we do ministry is uh, at that church. It's in downtown Chicago in the West Loop. But we, we had a life before we started Soul City and have a life outside of Soul City too. Uh, we have two kids. Uh, we are in the full-blown adolescent years. So we've got a senior <laughs> and a sophomore and we're believing we're going to make it. Uh, you guys, you guys have been before us. So you, uh, you've been on this journey and, uh, yeah, we, we co-pastor Soul City Church together and, yeah. um, yeah, it's been a, a wild journey, but obviously, as you just mentioned, we spent 11 years at Willow Creek Community Church, and then four years at North Point Community Church in Atlanta. So that's kind of what our life looked like before we started Soul City. Yeah. Yeah. As Jean mentioned, our life outside of it, we have the privilege to, we've been able to write some books and do some speaking and coaching and that sort of stuff. So it's it's kind of fun to see how God's used sort of every little bit of our story um, to move the kingdom forward, to sort of get to be the fun stuff that we get to do in the world. So yeah, so we're in a pretty fun, fun season. It's it's pretty crazy considering being empty nesters in a couple of years. That feels yeah. really weird. We feel Let's way not too say young. it. Let's not yeah, speak like, it out yet. We're like 26 years old, so that just feels weird to right. us. <laughs> no. how, how are you guys doing with the thought of your oldest like moving out? Is that has that hit you yet? Or are you just trying to stay in the present moment of senior year? Like where where are you with that? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like, we're always thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we vacillate <laughs> between really practicing the present moment and just like being here. Like I, uh, the first day of school, you know, taking the, the pictures, I was like, okay, just be just here. Take like, just take the picture. Take the picture. Like yeah. they, he hasn't left yet. He's not gone. We're still taking pictures. Enjoy every moment. And you know, it's that realization that we're approaching a new season and we're approaching a reality that you know, what it looks like in the day and in the day out is going to change. We're yeah. still forever yeah. going to be a family. Right. Right. It's just going to look different. So, yeah. 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 I, well, when Justin and I were talking about you guys, we shared this a little bit before we started recording, but you guys, like our, our podcast is called let's get real about life, love, and leadership. And when I think about those three aspects, you two, as a couple, as a family, as individuals have um, just lived life big with intentionality. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes just hearing, it's funny when you say, yeah, we, you know, author and speaker and church planner in Chicago, not like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like those are some really big, amazing, incredible opportunities. And sometimes from the outside looking in, or even just listening, we can feel like, man, they just have it all together. But what I love about you guys is that you just live, you live big, but you live so authentic mm -hmm. and um, honest. And I would say um, the, your recent book that you came out with, Jeannie, is like, I, it, sometimes I just want to just, let's do reading time and I'm going to crack it <laughs> open. Um, but when you think about, we'll get to your book in a minute, when you think about what you do together in, in life in all that you're doing, how do you keep grounded in like having just healthy boundaries to, to 
be in the present of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You want to start? Yeah. I mean, I think we were just talking about it. Our kids do a wonderful job of not buying any of our hype or that we may think we have or any of that <laughs> sort of stuff. They, they, they are wonderful at keeping us very grounded and we are the least cool people in the world, according to them. Um, I think for, for Jeannie and I, I think I'm grateful that at a fairly younger age, you know, we, we worked at a pretty big church you know Justin you talked about coming up to the conferences there like we were on stage in front of thousands of people you know like I tell the story like I was 27 years old speaking on a stage to 5,000 German pastors and thinking that was normal that that was just normal, right, just right. Like what you do and yeah I guess you know um this yeah we got this you know thing coming up this conference coming up and I just think what happened was because of the intensity of all of that it sort of forced a lot of, I'll just speak for myself and opportunity, my false self, a lot of my ego, a lot of um, patterns that I just had refused to pay attention to, or just thought I didn't need to ever pay attention to. It brought a lot of that up to the surface really quickly. And so it led us into the loving care of therapists and spiritual directors at a, a fairly, I don't know what the scale would be, but a young age, I feel like, you know, the fact that we were already committed to that work at 26, 27, 28 years old, before we even really fully knew ourselves, we had folks helping us find and discover our true selves in Christ. And so mm. I think what I began to see for me, at least me was it, it was a lot more to manage ego and persona. It was a lot more work to try and do that. And I felt more at home in God being more of just who I am, like it, love it, leave it, whatever it may be. I, I want to just be a, as authentically who God made me to be as possible. And that was a lot more liberating to me than trying to sort of manage some false self or some, some thing like that, that, you know, would be very easy for me to do. So I think that was, that's some of it for me. It's just, it, it, felt and it feels still to this day more um easeful a more mm -hmm. easeful way of living than trying to manage all of what I assume people's perceptions are or I want them to be of me yeah mm -hmm. and I think we've really found the difference that uh, a life of performing never leads to peace mm -hmm. and if you feel like you are constantly on and you're constantly yeah, performing awesome. and you're pretending you are you are not going to experience peace and the last time I checked, performance and pretending were not fruits of the spirit, mm -hmm. but peace is. Mm -hmm. And and so I think for us, we really were like, gosh, we get one shot at this life. Do we want to waste it just running through the cycle of having to pretend and perform for people that, you know, might come in and out of our life versus experience truly that peace of God that passes all understanding. It doesn't mean that everything in life is easy, but like, how do you actually go through this life with peace? Mm. And so I think thankfully at a young age, we started realizing, gosh, performance and pretending is it's not what it's cracked up to be. No, It's mm. really empty. It's really dry. It's really yeah. stressful. And so how do we start to ground ourselves and practice peace? And, um, you know, we certainly don't do it perfectly, but I, I feel like it's been one of the things that's helped us go the distance in ministry. Yeah. Uh, and well, I think yeah. the last thing I, I mean, you mentioned, you know, Ortberg, the, the Ortbergs and there's, there's folks, the Dick and Civil Towner, there's folks that we had in our lives 
Ruth Haley Barton is another one at a young age that that were live were giving us an example of that, and we just loved being with them and around them so much more. It was so much more appealing and um, enjoyable to be with people who were doing their own work and living authentically out of who they are. And so it gave to us a picture of like, not only is this possible, this this is preferable. Like this is who we want to be with. And so this is who we want to be, these types of people. That's so good. How how have you guys managed, like you you work together, <laughs> right? You're, you parent together, you you sometimes travel and speak together. Like so much of your life is intertwined as a couple. How have you been able to find not just personal identity, but like to be able to be in a good, in a healthy relationship in those environments? For instance, like Trish and I, we struggled at times in our marriage, we were really good ministry partners. Like we're magic in ministry and we can be toxic at home. Right. Mm -hmm. And so recognizing that, yeah, we can get up on stage and we can pull off a service and we can pull out a sermon and we can go do a conference, but how are we going to grow our relationship as, as we're living all of our life together and not, you know, some people have jobs where they go away from their spouse and come home at night. Mm -hmm. You guys are going to work together. How have you guys, how have you guys navigated that over the years? Yeah, I think it's been the gift of a lot of uh, a lot of work, uh, a lot of honesty, a lot of hard conversations, a lot of um, guides that we've given permission to see the real stuff of of us and who we are as a couple and who we are as a partner in work and raising our kids. I, I remember a mentor in our life when we were in a particularly challenging season uh we were having dinner and and he just really uh (laughs) authentically said it seems like the two of you are really really good at productivity and really bad at intimacy wow and it was just one of those Right. Oh, it, was, it was a real like where do you go for Matt and the meal? Ring the bell for us because <laughs> he was right, because we realized mm-hmm. that we were both um high achieving, high producing, uh get things done in the world, which could quickly fall into being productive at work, being productive in our family, being productive in our marriage. But Nobody wants to be in a relationship with somebody because they're productive. They long for intimacy and connection. Mm. And the only way that intimacy and connection can happen is if you really allow yourself to be seen and known and loved. And those things require vulnerability. And so we just started to realize like that we were uh, far outweighing productivity versus intimacy. And so we started really like peeling back the layers of that still peel back the layers and that it's still our work and it's a default to us. us. And so we just, that's something that we try to prioritize over and over and over again. And I would say another thing for us is we've really realized that with so many of our circles crossing over, you know, from work and family and marriage and friendships and all those things, there's, there's three things when it comes to our partnership around how we do our work in this world. And we've had to really realize that there's my work, there's his work, and then there's our work together. Mm. And 
whenever those, when I start trying to do Jarrett's work for him, for Tell me how <laughs> it blows up every time <laughs> and vice versa. If he's like, I really think you should be doing da, 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 da. I mean, it just, it's a wreck every single time. And so we got really clear on those circles. Like what's yeah. my work, your work, and then our work. Yeah. I think that's it. And we found too, like, it was really hard to do our work if, I wasn't committed to doing my work. Yep. She wasn't committed to doing her yeah, work. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, while there's a ton of places that we're partnered and I feel incredibly, pro- I couldn't pick a better partner in this world, in this life. I like, there's no one else I would ever want to do any of this with from the most important things of our marriage to our family, to church and the work that we've been able to do. Um, but it's also been very important for us to have other things, separate mm-hmm. things, you know? And so I have my therapist, she has hers, we have our couple's therapist, you know, I have projects and coaching things that I do that Jeannie has nothing to do with. I get to come home and tell her what I did at work in those regards, her writing and speaking. Um, that's something that I just like, I, tell me where you need me. I don't want, I have no, nothing to do here, but support you. And that's been something we've had to work really hard. I think going back to that dinner, you mentioned our current therapist our couple's therapist took that phrase that that friend of ours said years ago and boiled it down into an image that was like just as impactful. She said, um, the two of you are really good side by side and really struggle face to face. And I thought, man, that is so true. Like we are really good side by side. We can get anything done. We can figure it out. We can play to each other's strengths. We, you know, we can fill in gaps. We can move forward, but the face to face where we don't have to do anything, but just be with each other. That is where the real, work for us is just that's just us that's where our work is and so yeah that continues to be there's parameters there's boundaries there's things that we put in place and struggle with and get back on track with that help keep us from just doing stuff and help us be more and more with each other and uh, I'll I'll tell you it's uh, it is harder work but it's far more enjoyable way more enjoyable you, you tell a story in the book, in your book, Jeannie, about Jarrett calling you his life coach. Uh-huh. And, and yeah. just, it was kind of a, I mean, you say with, it was with humor, but there was also like some, yeah. some truth to it as well. I, I thought I, t- I said to Trish before we jumped on with you guys, I'm like, you summarized how I think a lot of guys feel in marriage, mm-hmm. right? Because when there isn't that intimacy and there is that productivity, then marriage becomes like this checklist of things that you're just trying to accomplish together to get through another week or to get through soccer season or to get whatever the the next thing is. How did that conversation shift your relationship in that season? Yeah. I mean, it was huge because it happened on an anniversary, I believe. Yes. You know, I mean, we were trying, here we are trying to celebrate our anniversary, you know, and and Jared's like, I just don't remember when, you know, you were standing up there at the church and we were sharing our vows and, you know, all our friends were there and you looked so beautiful. I don't remember when, when I said, and I take you Jeannie to be my life coach. (laughs) I was like, I took a risk. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't the, the either, but I think I've been doing a good job. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I said beautiful five times before I said it. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I was so, you know, it's the, like those moments when someone speaks a hard truth, but it's it's the truth you need to hear. 
And I mean, what did you tell us? It's only the truth that sets us free. And so, you know, I just feel like in that moment, Jarrett turned the lights on for me of a pattern of, and ultimately the pattern to try to control and correct somebody else's behavior, whether it's Jarrett's or anybody else's, it's just a way to avoid taking care of the things that you need to take care of. It's just a projection out onto somebody else around the things that you don't want to pay attention in yourself. And so every coaching thing that I was doing towards him was just a way to avoid ways that I needed to grow. And so he actually gave me a great gift in saying that and realizing, okay, actually the only person that I have responsibility over to do transformational change with is myself. And yeah. so, yeah, it's, it's been a great journey. And I mean, listen, I love coaching. I love telling people what to do because control is awesome, <laughs> but, um, it certainly does not lead to intimacy. It does not lead to connection in marriage. It, it yeah. shuts it down every single time. My Enneagram three is like, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I, I, I mean this like to the, the depths of my heart. Like that is what I love about you guys is you, you have swung for the fence and have missed a couple of times, but then like got up again. And the theme that I keep hearing is the choice to be vulnerable. Like that's where it begins to be vulnerable. Like, dude, that hurt my feelings, but mm -hmm. maybe there's some truth there. There, I don't, the, um, in your book, you talk about obligation mm -hmm. and something about me. I I'm a great reader. I love to read, but sometimes I can misread things that makes it kind of funny. And, and you share the story about being at a dinner and the obligation you felt. And I thought that you had wrote in saying to Jared, why can't I just be a bottle of wine? But what you were saying is, why can't I just bring a bottle of wine? And it just made me yeah. laugh, you know, because yeah, like yeah. fine wine, it just gets better over time. Right? I just need a bottle of wine. But I think, you know, for the person listening, mm. the aspect of hustle is real in our lives. Like it doesn't matter what title we hold. We live in a society where hustle is part of our culture. Mm -hmm. And so the doing of life is a cultural aspect of it. Yeah. And so Jared, when you said like being able to not be just side by side, but turning in to one another, it, that vulnerability, it's vulnerable just to do that kind of turning. Totally. Yeah. And so that vulnerability and then speaking truth, how have you continued to like, what's the balance? You know, I think many people, it's like, we're always extreme. Like we discover something and we're like, oh yes. Um, but like all throughout your book, I'm telling you, it's, it's so good. Jared, I know you've wrote an amazing book you too. Know what? It doesn't <laughs> I matter. Can, I, can I tell you, I've told the story a couple of times. Can I tell you an honest to God story that, that proves the point? Listen, Hey, okay. would you, you get done telling hey. your story? I'll tell my story. Cause I have a, Listen, I have a, I have a story. I want to get back to your question. Going. I'm gonna let you finish in a minute, Trish, but let me tell this story real quick. So one day after preaching at the church that I helped start, you know, <laughs> co-founded with my co-pastor here and poured my life, sweat, blood, tears into, I'm walking in between services past this little area that we have where we have like next steps for folks, like 
books from people who've spoken at our church. And, and this is right after Jeannie's book came out. And there was this beautiful center table that looked like it was right out of anthropology and these flowers and, you know, cool little decor things and her book all like, it's beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. It was very inspiring. And obviously I knew that was there. And as I walked by, I also saw that there was a shelf that was up that we had not ever had before. It's like, oh, they must have put this in for Jeannie's book launch. And then I looked on the shelf and this is the true story. This happened. It said it on that shelf, clearance. And the only book that was, <laughs> I'm telling you this happened. The only book that was on the clearance rack at the church I helped start was my book. So <laughs> there was a season where you could get my book for less than a cup of coffee at our church. So when you say, I'm sure you've written Nobody wants here, to talk about prayer. So let's just put no it on one, clearance. Oh, clearly no one, it's on clearance. It's no one, oh. no one cares. And I, and trust me, I've done, I've had to do very little work around that because <laughs> Jeannie's book is 100% who she is and what she's lived. And so mm. it's so, it's so easy to get behind and celebrate and be able to laugh at <laughs> the, the fact that my, the own, my, our own church put me on clearance. So <laughs> I'm so grateful that you guys are on the podcast. It says everything you need to know. I had nothing to do with that decision. So I just saw it at the same time he did. I am so grateful you guys are on the podcast because you can relate to this story uniquely. Now our listeners are invited in, but I think you guys are going to appreciate this. So I'm doing consult a consulting uh, role for this church uh, south of Indianapolis <clears throat> back in January. I get a text message from a friend of mine who oversees the spiritual growth initiative for the YMCA worldwide. Wow. Justin, I need to talk to you ASAP. This is time sensitive. Can you please call me back as soon as possible? So I leave the meeting I'm in. I call him. I'm like, hey, man, what is going on? He's like, I've got my biggest event this year. It's Good Friday breakfast. It's our biggest fundraiser. The mayor of Indianapolis is going to be opening up with prayer. There's going to be 700 people there. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, uh, you dress up. It's, it's our biggest event of the year. He's like, I need a keynote speaker. I'm like, all right. Yeah, buddy. What, what can I do for you? He's like, you think Trish will do it? I'm so like, good. I don't know. Here's her freaking cell phone number. Why don't yeah, you call I don't ask? I'm not Why an agent. Talking to you. Yes. So oh, I get back so to good. the office. I tell her this story. We're in a staff meeting. I get a text message from Aaron Brockett, who's the pastor of the largest church in yeah, Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Hey, bro, is this Trisha's cell phone number? Oh my god. I put my cell phone down. This is like two hours later. <laughs> I put my cell phone down. I said, if Aaron Brockett asks you to speak at Trader's Point, I'm yeah. done speaking for the rest of my life. Uh, like I'm no. not going to do it. No, you're going to publicly remove your name from. Yes. <laughs> 10 minutes later, Trish, can you speak at Mother's Day? I text. I'm like, dude, I'm a father. I don't, where's my I, invitation? Like, I, I'm open for Father's Day. What is going on? But Amen. like with that knowledge, I mean, we laugh about it, but there, there is a, um, a co-working, co-laboring, especially in the name of Jesus, that is both beautiful and really hard, but the curating of authenticity and being honest with our feelings. Like I think it sets us up to then handle maybe not those little moments, <laughs> not being on clearance, me. but Hey, yeah, I will pray for you <laughs> or, or be your wife's booking agent. Yeah. <laughs> but going to counseling, Justin and I go to counseling and having like, that's what the hard work looks like. But then that hard work prepares you to love 
in ways that you don't even know you will need. And Jeannie, you talk about in your book, um, a significant loss in your life. And um, I, in, in my life, I call it the picture frame moment, but you call it the before and after call, like that moment where you are told something that changes your life. And then in an instant, like all of that work that you've done in your relationship becomes like the foundation of like survival through that. Would you share just a little bit about that? Yeah, I, and you know, I think we all have a before and an after experience that we could probably pull up in our minds right now of when something happened, a circumstance occurred that you never saw coming and it changed how life was lived later. And if you haven't had one of those, you're going to have one of those. It's just, you, no one gets through this life unscathed, you know, in this world, we will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome. And I think what I, I shared about in that story, you know, the, the specifics is that, um, my brother very suddenly passed away and I, I got a phone call from my sister-in-law that changed everything. And it, it rocked our worlds. It rocked our family. And the the thing that I'm so grateful for, I'm not grateful for all of the pain and the heartache and the just gut-wrenching loss that that uh, created in, in my life and in our story. What I'm grateful for is all of the little things that we invested into who we are as a couple so that when the bottom dropped out in our lives, there was enough vulnerability in the tank and there was enough uh, love, authentic communication, transparent knowing of one another, like that deep work that when, when I had nothing left to give, we could still face to face one another and walk through that trial together and whatever the trial is right whatever the challenge is whatever the thing that comes the phone call the you know the i never saw this coming when that thing comes that's not the moment when you need all of that past work you got to do all of that past work knowing those things are coming, um, so you know, whether it's with your family, with your kids, with your work, what your finances, whatever it may be. Um, we all have the bottom drop out on us mm. and it's what's in the bank of mm. building trust and, and having authentic connection and really doing the deep, hard work of building a relationship with one another that can be tested. And, uh, and we've had a lot of moments over the years where it's been tested. And even those tests have made us so much stronger and more resilient. Uh, and I'm just so grateful that we've chosen very imperfectly mm. to keep going, to mm. keep walking even when it feels like I can't walk myself and one of us will say, then you can borrow my faith right now. You know, you yeah. can, you can trust that I've, I've got us. Um, you know, I, I think it's Brene Brown that says 
Uh, she doesn't believe in um, compromise in relationships. Uh, she doesn't believe in the 50-50 rule because sometimes you show up at the table and you're like, I got 20% to give. And the other person has to say, okay, I'll, I'll try and carry the other 80% right now. And sometimes you show up and you're like, I got 40. The other person's like, and I only got 40. So what are we going to do about the fact that 20% is missing? Okay. we got to make some adjustments. And I, I've appreciated that reality that that's just sometimes how life is. More how life um, is. and yeah. so how do we actually learn to live that way with one another? Yeah. I'm just impressed that you pulled that math off that quick like that for those percentages. That's the whole time I was like, I was trying to keep up. It's <laughs> <laughs> a simple math. All this, well, listen, you know. I'm with you, Jared. Jared you, <laughs> I mean, both of you guys were so gracious to endorse my new book that's coming out in October. It's so great. Jared, it's great, oh, Justin. Thank you. It really is, dude. It's really great. Oh, mm -hmm. thank you. You and yeah. I connected on a text message that was just... I don't know. It kind of got, it got me emotional when you sent it because, you know, when you write something and you put it out there for the world to read and absorb, you don't know if it's going to connect. That's right. And <clears throat> I talk about, I open a chapter up talking about uh, a dear friends, dear friends of ours leaving the church. Yep. And I kind of walk through what that did to me mentally and emotionally and, and how it affected me as a leader. You, you guys have traveled the last three years during COVID and during some, you know, you know, I think you had a building project that was, you know, right around the time of COVID and yeah. so many challenges. How, Jared, how have you navigated some of the wounds that you've taken on and, and, you know, identified them and then kind of tried to find healing from them. Oftentimes the people that were closest to us wound us the deepest, right? Because they have the greatest proximity to us. And so how have you navigated that in light of what Jeannie was talking about, of maybe not always having a hundred percent to bring to the table? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's one of the resounding themes from the last years. Uh, it's not certainly not, all of it, but a, a resounding theme is compounded loss. And it, it's not just loss, it's compounded loss. It's loss on top of loss, on top of loss, on top of loss, on top of pivot, on top of all the things that we had to do to keep our family safe and alive, then to keep our church safe and running and to keep people employed and to pay for their kids' braces and you know all of that just on top of each other. And then the personal, yeah, the personal things happen. We've had uh, folks that we were in deep, like deep life relationship with just kind of bounce and without really even a goodbye or a context as to why. And we've, I, I'll just speak for myself. I've kind of run myself ragged trying to figure it out and trying to be, you know, angry at them and how could they do this and I stayed and how you didn't and you know just all this stuff of taking it incredibly personally rather than just grieving and, and just saying this is this is a this is a loss this is this is grief without you know there's the grief that we are familiar with whether we know what to do with it or not is when there's the loss of life but when there's no loss of life but there's loss of relationship that's a hard grief that's a deep grief because mm -hmm. they're still around walking around you might bump into them 
at the grocery store. And it's like, where this feels so personal and so deep. So, so much of it, I think the work for, for me, and I'm, I imagined you would say this, while there was real grief, I lost my brother and my father within six months, the first six months of COVID or nine months of COVID. Um, so there's real grief and loss of human life and people that matter significantly to me. And the loss of these relationships, a lot like Jean said, the before and after, the way things were, it's like, we're just not going back there. We can't ever go back to that life. It's not, we won't ever be like that again. They just need to be and continue to need to be grieved. Mm. And, you know, you mentioned your Enneagram number a minute ago, Trish, like I'm an Enneagram seven. And so my tendency is to just like, hey, let's just keep going. We're good. We're good. Right. We're good. We're good. We're good. Mm-hmm. That's just another way of compounding the the come down and the fall down, the fall apart for mm-hmm. me. And so for me, at least the work has been to just grieve like, yep, that's really sad. I feel sad. I feel deep loss where, where I can communicate it to people. There have been a few that I've been able to communicate it to. That's been great. But the majority of the relationships, at least, or the dreams that we lost, there's no way to, to communicate that to anyone mm-hmm. um, or any way that would be healthy. So it's it's just a lot of grief work of accepting, of appreciating what it was and accepting what it is. And yeah, so that's been, that's been, like I said, certainly not all. I mean, there's been a lot of other stuff that have happened, a lot of amazing things that have happened, beautiful things for our family and for us and you know, Jeannie's book, all this stuff. Awesome. But there has also been at the same time, just a a considerable amount of compounded loss and grief. And yeah, that, that, that for me, the only way out is through, you know, that old Mm -hmm. adage. And so that's what the work has been for me is to walk through it all. So good. I think there's these competing um, mantras, right? Like there's, you know, the old church leadership conferences would say people, people don't leave churches, they leave leaders. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have that in the back of your mind as a leader when someone leaves. Okay. It was my fault. I, I told yeah. Jared this, I got to a place, you know, the last year of hope city and into COVID where anytime someone texted me and asked me for a coffee meeting or a lunch, I just assumed they were leaving. Yeah. Like, totally. You know what I mean? Like, let's just get it over with. I don't, just we don't have down. to, we, yeah, right. don't, don't waste my 50 minutes to tell me the last 10 minutes of the coffee you're leaving the church <laughs> and it's not us. It's, it's you. And you know, it's not the d- spiritual depth of the church. It's actually your spiritual journey, blah, blah, blah. I just right. couldn't take it anymore. Right. Um, and I, and I, then there's also this, this aspect of, well, you can't take, you can't take it personally. Mm-hmm. And so it's, they, people left Jesus. And so, you know, it's like trying to deal with the duality of that. Mm-hmm. It, 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 can, it can become exhausting. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And, and so yeah. for, especially for two people in a marriage relationship, dealing with all of those expectations from a ministry leadership yeah. perspective as well. Yeah. yeah. And I think in some ways, you know, that idea of to not take it personal, I've, I've started to think, I, I think that's impossible because to do ministry and to do the work of investing into people's lives, if I wasn't going to take it personal, then I would need to invest and make it not personal. Yeah, impersonal so the, the investment would need to be impersonal mm-hmm. if I don't want the leaving to be impersonal. And so I'm like, that's just not me. I, I don't know how to love impersonally. That, yeah. that doesn't feel authentic to me. And so 
one of the things we've just had to realize over the years, and I, I think it was a counselor of yours that said, you know, ministry is a thousand little losses. It's to suffer a thousand little losses over and over and over again. And, and to be reminded that the, the goal of God always for us is to grow through everything that he doesn't waste anything in our lives. I waste a lot of things, but he doesn't waste anything. And so is it possible that even this loss, even this pain, even this heartache is here for my good, for my growth and um, good grief grows something. It grows something in our life. And so am I open to it? And frankly, lots of days I'm like, no, I don't don't think I want to grow. (laughs) I'd rather just be petty. I'd rather be petty. I just want to be mad. And, um, you know, so it takes, it takes a lot of maturity to actually decide, okay, yeah, I, it hurts God, but I, I want to know what you want to do through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good. As we kind of close our time together, you know, uh, again, like, I'm not surprised at such the richness of, I've had to like, keep my mouth away from the mic. Cause I'm like, mm, yes, fire. Like, <laughs> so good. Um, but just the wisdom, just in this conversation of vulnerability and honesty, as we close our conversation, there's a person listening that has resonated with some part of your story, whether it was a loss of a loved one, loss of a dream, um, but the tension often that people feel is we go to those places unknowingly with expectations for people to respond in a certain way. And when they don't, then it, it can really like put a cap on us as a person where we just kind of shut down or live fearful or just start apologizing for taking up space. And so the person that's listening and has felt like they were honest and felt like they were grieving, but it it didn't restore a relationship or it didn't bring life in a way um, that they thought they would. What is like a, a, a word of encouragement you would give them? Um, I always say it's, uh, for me, it's a no regret life, mm-hmm. you know, like it may not turn out the way that I thought it would, but I have no regrets in how I try to show up. Um, what would you encourage that person? Yeah. I mean, to anyone that is listening right now that just finds themselves in a hard season and, and whatever that hard season looks like, uh, maybe something that they did that they now have a whole lot of regrets over or something that happened to them, um, Mm -hmm. that they, they feel like, how did I find myself here? Or, Or just a circumstance they did not see coming. I know we're navigating some circumstances we did not see coming. And, you know, I've been whispering to myself over the last, you know, couple of weeks, like, is this happening to me or is this happening for me? Mm. And what I mean by that is when I live in a posture of this is all just happening to me, and I'm just a, uh, you know, victim that is having to absorb all of these bad things. And, um, and I'm, I'm just on the, you know, the defense over here trying to get past it. I'm not letting it actually be produced in my life for growth. 
And, um, you know, <laughs> as silly as it may sound, um, and not to get gross on your podcast, but it's like the, the thing that people put into soil for that soil to produce good plants is manure. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes we get some manure mm -hmm. in our life that we did not want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to keep it clean on your manure podcast. Um, yeah. we, we, we got the B, we got the B button. Yeah. You know and, how you guys roll, um, so, silly. so many of us, we just fight that. And I'm just trying to grow myself up in Jesus to go, is this happening to me or could this be happening for me? Like, could this be for my growth? Could this be for my deeper maturation? Could this be for the Holy Spirit to all the more shine bright in my life? And so to the person that feels like something's happening to you, could it be, could it be that God wants to do something for you? Because eventually he wants to do something through you. So that, re that redemptive just, pain. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. okay, Jared, we're gonna, we're gonna end mm -hmm. on a note, tapping into your Enneagram seven, just for you to oh. like, you know, we're going to go, uh, what is something you guys are really excited about? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, well, I mean, just, we were talking about this before we got started. Just yesterday, I uh, competed in the Chicago Triathlon, and that was equal parts. There it is. I was, it's not going to not come up. I, I mean, knew you're, it was going to You're the first triathlete up. to be on this podcast. It's not going to not come up. And every I, I softballed that to you. So th this yeah. is your yeah. moment. Yeah. Your moment. Hey, I saw that. For those of you that are listening and not watching, he does still have the number tattooed on his arm from yesterday. I, I, I got my bib. I can go grab my bib real quick if you want. I want to see the medal. I want the medal. Okay. I got it. I got it real quick. It'll take me a second. But that was something I was definitely excited about and also dreading all at the same time. And so that was a pretty, like yesterday was a pretty big, for me, a big like day of completion of the last three and a half months of, of training for that. So that's so definitely now I'm like already going, okay, what's the next thing? What's the next challenge? What's the next thing I want to see if I can do? So I, I probably need to think about that a little bit more. I mean, there's obviously, this is our son's senior year. Mm -hmm. We went to our first uh, preseason football game on Saturday with them, uh, with our kids. And we, we really love that whole, we love high school life and all of its challenges and complexities, but all the fun and the games and the sports. And mm -hmm. so I'm excited about this year, especially being his last, he's very mindful of, I think he's going to do every single possible, he's going to wring this towel dry. <laughs> yeah, he literally wrote on his mirror in his bedroom, the last dance. And oh, he's yes. um, but I was like, oh man, he is he's going for it. That's awesome. That's exciting. I feel really excited about honoring and, and, and naming and celebrating each of those kind of milestones for both of them, but especially for him this year yeah yeah so. i would agree that was what came up for me it was just really choosing to be so present with our kids in this season so and i i'm just i feel excitement and joy about that you know for his last high school basketball season and you know like just and i know you guys know that oh, yeah. um your your kids too but just to to be fully in it with them mm -hmm. um yeah yeah 
I love it. I love it. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. Um, you guys are just, um, just a gift in so many ways. And we're just grateful to learn from you and to also just walk alongside in ministry. And, um, it's fun to talk to another couple who runs kind of in the same, you know, fun lanes. So, um, just thank you so much for your time. Jared, your book will be full price. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I I was just going to say, I was just going to say, Justin, if I can close with this, uh, specifically to you, Justin, if we wanted to have Trish come speak at soul city, who do we talk to? <laughs> Can we just call you on that one? Yeah. Uh, I think we're breaking up. Manure at refineus.org. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Oh, man. All right. So you two can have Trisha speak at your church, just like Jarrett, <laughs> just like Jarrett wants to, and really every pastor in America would like Trisha to speak stop, at their stop, church stop. instead of me. But next month on the podcast, guys, we have something special in store for you. Uh, we're doing a weekly podcast episode mm-hmm. for the month of October because we're celebrating the release of my book. And so October third, Trisha and I are going to jump on there. We're going to talk about authenticity. Then October 10th, we're going to have Carlos and Heather Whitaker as guests. October 13th is going to be our very own son, Micah Micah Davis, Davis. as he is releasing his own book on October 17th. And then the last, well, it's not the last Tuesday of uh, October, but October 24th, we're going to have my good friend, Justin Holliday. He is an NBA basketball player. He played three years with the Pacers. Uh, He is now with the Denver Nuggets. And we had a fantastic conversation. And so we're going to celebrate the entire month on the Let's Get Real podcast by getting real with you every single week. 